You are listening to the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast, the show for first-time leaders, for that moment in your career when the book stops with you. This is your window into the world of how to lead successfully. Now, over to your host, James Nagel. Welcome to a new episode of the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast, the show for first-time leaders. I'm your host, James Nagel, and my guest today is Mattia de Dominicis. And with Mattia, we're going to explore how to succeed as an entrepreneur in a big company. But let me first tell you about Mattia. Mattia is the head of R&D at Henkel, the company behind top brands such as Purcell, the laundry detergent. Now, what distinguishes Mattia from other top talents I know is his energy. He is really driven to make things happen. He leads from the front, whether that's with lab technicians or at a CEO level. Now, on the flip side, he's not a fan of the status quo. And as one ex-colleague put it, sometimes it's hard to keep up. In his current role, based in Germany, the challenge is how to innovate, to disrupt rather than to be disrupted. And Mattia is betting on diversity and digital to make the difference. So for anyone interested in delivering innovation at scale, you should listen up. It's my pleasure to introduce Mattia. Hi, James. Uh, it's really a pleasure for me for, to be invited in this session. Huh? Really appreciated. Looking forward to it. It's quite interesting that when we first met back in the early, uh, early 2000s, we worked together on innovation. And there's one thing that always sticks in my head about you is that even though you were relatively junior at the stage, you took the initiative. You came up with an idea and it was all about making, dramatizing the benefit of the product to the consumer, making it visible. And the great thing about our company at that time that we worked in was that that openness was encouraged. You had a chance to speak up. So when we talk about leadership a bit today, is it no more simple than for you to just recruit 10 young Matthias and, and get going? Yes, that could be an opportunity, but then it could be also a problem. Uh, a few people told me it's enough one of you. <laughs> Uh, and it's good to have uh, some differentiation. Uh, and this is what I really learned uh, over time. It's good to have uh, people with very different capability that can uh, integrate uh, and can come with uh, uh, better ideas and uh, richer ideas and way to deliver. Uh, I really believe uh, in uh, differentiation uh, and I always try to find the people that are extreme. One of my questions in interview is tell me something crazy that you have done, something unique. And when I discover that, I know that person can do something different. And that is to me one of the uh, part more, uh, more important. So uh, now all your team is prepared for the next, uh, <laughs> the next job interview. Very good. So look, Matteo, you've been all around the world at this point. You know, you've been in Italy, you're native Italy. You went to the US, you went to the UK, South Africa, and now you're based in Germany. But when we chatted before, you mentioned that your own leadership journey really started in South Africa. And, uh, you know, we know because of your career that you emerged as a swimmer. But tell us about surviving the deep end in South Africa. Yeah, South Africa was really, really interesting for, uh, I think, at least three reasons. So uh, one point was uh, a discovery. Uh, and clearly, you know, coming from U.S., U.S. is different from Italy for sure. But in Africa, in traveling around Africa, Middle East and Pakistan, that was my responsibility. You discover a lot of things. And I love uh, really culture and discovering. Uh, the second part, professionally, was really tough at the beginning 
because uh, my boss was in UK, uh, my team was spread between Nigeria, uh, Dubai, and Pakistan, in part in South Africa. So managing the situation was really, really difficult. And really, to, to, to make it was not, uh, not easy. Uh, the third part why was interesting was uh, in Africa, you really understand the importance of cleaning and hygiene. Uh, and you really see the impact that uh, can have. And so um, it really, for me, uh, from a personal perspective, uh, in uh, stimulating even more the curiosity uh, from a professional, because how to make it, and really utilizing my team, very, very different, to, to, to really de define a vision uh, on what to do. And the other part, really acknowledging the importance, actually, uh, of a product uh, that we deliver. Uh, you can say are just cleaners, or uh, you say, no, it's not uh, only cleaning products and the gene. They are really having an impact. And today, with the pandemic, uh, you realize even in Europe and North America and uh, in the Western countries. But let's look back at your, your own leadership journey. W what were the challenging moments then? I mean, in that situation, uh, when I arrived um, and the team was a little bit lost, uh, a little bit under pressure, uh, R&D was not fully appreciated or not fully delivering. Uh, that was a situation by saying, okay, I'm uh, in South Africa in Johannesburg. There is a continent uh, close to, uh, to manage and beyond that, a little bit bigger. Uh, and that point was, um, I'm not a person with fear, but I said, okay, here I need to start doing something different versus the past where my boss and my team were in the same location. Huh? Uh, and that is where I started to, to look uh, to, to what to do and to try to, to get support from the stakeholders and the people around me, from my boss, on, uh, on how to operate differently. Uh, and I think that is uh, really, really important to, to have the input from others, uh, to understand uh, uh, suggestion, and then to, to have your team around you and to try to really create uh, a new environment, a new mission, to move forward uh, together uh, and to really to empower the different people. And in that situation, of course, there was no other choice eh? because uh, uh, if you think of the distance of course, I needed to trust my team, to empower them, and to try to allocate different responsibility based on their capability. If you think back to you in those days, what, what would your team have said, to you, said about you when they, when they first met you? What, what did they encounter as a young, sort of a young, ambitious uh, R&D guy? I, I think, the, as you rightly said in my introduction, uh, what people said about me is I'm very passionate. Uh, and uh, I'm super curious, uh, not only on science, but also on people. Uh, sometimes people say even too intrusive, uh, because I really want to know, I want to understand, uh, and uh, it's really, I like it, you know? And when I discover a, a special angle of a person, I try to, to take it out. Uh, for example, uh, someone can say that uh, I don't work, I'm uh, in a hobby. Uh, because I really like uh, what I do and uh, I try to do differently. And this is what I try to do in, uh, in the people. I try to identify what they really love uh, and to translate that uh, in the job and to, to give that uh, as an angle to do the job. So I think people perceive this uh, passion uh, and also this uh, 
uh, I really, I need for myself to know where I'm going. I need to know where I'm going in 10 years, in long term. Uh, and I need to build this for myself, but also I do always with the people around me. Uh, and so they, they see this uh, correlation in really taking care of the people, understanding, uh, trying to, to integrate uh, all of us working in the team and to move forward. And for someone who's as passionate as you, and I, I know exactly what you mean, how do you deal with maybe colleagues who don't at first view share that passion? I, I need to say that uh, um, I'm always been lucky to find people that are passionate, but sometimes people that don't believe on what you want to do, that uh, for sure, or uh, they're having some perplexity. Uh, and generally, I try to, to involve, uh, um, uh, I try to explain, uh, but uh, a lot of involvement uh, in order that people can contribute or uh, through involvement to, uh, to give a different point of view. Uh, in some occasion, uh, I was hold on and actually I understood that. Uh, so sometimes I got too excited and I proceed and maybe it's not the right direction. So if someone is uh, really showing me that, I stop. Uh, but uh, if um, this is not happening and there is a barrier, I generally just go through. <laughs> it's it's one of the drawbacks maybe of myself. And I think it's great. I think it sounds like the way you say it, that your own energy is a bit infectious and you've been able to either directly meet people who share it or you've been able to convert them to your enthusiasm. So that's that that's that's probably a <laughs> that's probably a great skill. So let, let's move forward maybe to your, your current role, to the here and now, because you're in a position of, let's say, power and influence. You're one of the few people that I know personally who's got a clear sort of personal professional mission, which is you really want to make change through R&D. So you know, where are you spending your time right now? Uh, I've been spending time with my team to really define the strategy for the future to really understand uh, where we can have an impact through science and technology. Uh, because as I rightly said, uh, I really believe uh, uh, if you look at what is moving society forward, uh, you have uh, from one area philosophy, psychology, and from the other area, uh, you're having science and technology. These are really, I believe, things that are advancing. And then science and technology, there are different fields, but uh, I'm in, in one critical one. So what uh, really I'm spending time and trying to understand is how to improve, uh, to keep uh, uh, leveraging capability that uh, I have very strong on science technology in my current uh, area of responsibility and how you to, to utilize for the benefit of the consumer uh, in terms of uh, critical area of cleaning engine, uh, well-being and sustainability. Because uh, clearly in our area we deliver products uh, that uh, you, you don't want uh, uh, to leave a footprint, a negative footprint eh, as well. So this is uh, definitely where uh, I'm spending a lot of time. I always see you as an entrepreneur, someone who wants to make a change, not satisfied with the status quo. Now, you've always spent your time in big companies and you've moved from one that I know well to another one that I don't know so well. So, you know, how do you evolve that status quo thinking? What, what are your techniques? Um, as I mentioned, I always uh, have a long-term plan. 
uh, and uh, I, for me, learning is very important. And uh, I, I've been incredibly lucky eh, over my career to have very different leaders to learn from, very different things. But at a certain point, uh, I felt uh, that uh, I was a little bit stopping learning. Um, and the impact that uh, I could make was limited. And this is why I changed. Um, and currently, by joining Enkel, uh, I'm in a completely different environment. Uh, Enkel is really uh, known for being strong on science and technology. They are really looking to continue to evolve entrepreneurship and to make a difference. Uh, and therefore, uh, I had the feeling that uh, I can uh, have a stronger impact. Uh, and that is why for me is important. Then why being in a big corporation versus making uh, my own company and startup? Because then if you really want to have an impact, of course, a big corporation can have a big impact. A, a small company can have a small impact. And before it's becoming a big company, unless you are, uh, uh, I don't know, Bill Gates or uh, someone like that, is uh, not easy. And so I still think uh, a big corporation can have a significant positive impact in the society. Yeah, and I think, you know, people use the image of, you know, moving the big oil tanker when you talk about a big company, you know, whether it's a good or bad analogy. But how do you bring that energy um, and transmit that, the energy which I remember back 20 years ago? Is, is that still your engine? You just sort of use your energy and your, your force of will? Or are you using other techniques to get people on board? I think that is still one of my area. Uh, and as you said in my introduction, still some people complain uh, of it. Uh, I get the energy also through people, uh, as I mentioned to you. I really uh, spend time in uh, breakfast or lunch with people or a session uh, where uh, really understanding people and uh, helping people to, to improve. Uh, it's really exciting me. Uh, and uh, especially, as I said, when I discover uh, unique things, I, I make you an example. Nowadays, uh, as we are uh, today with, uh, through digital, uh, you really interact with the other people. And uh, you enter partially in the other person's house. Uh, I had a case with one of my uh, team members uh, who was working on digital, that by seeing uh, his house, I started to see things moving behind. 3D printer and the things moving. Uh, and then I realized that uh, this guy is living in a sort of a digital connected home that he built by himself by making his own API. So I got really excited. And uh, so what can you think? I'm going to visit him. So we are going we, with my team uh, going to have a house visit, like a lab visit uh, of um, and to learn. So these are the things that uh, are exciting me. And then we may rebuild what he did uh, in uh, one of our... Um, center. So this uh, definitely is giving me energy. Uh, and then the other thing that is giving me energy is uh, 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 making a vision, uh, making it happen, uh, and seeing uh, the value uh, of what is happening. Uh, we were just talking before, um, because you saw in, in LinkedIn, uh, we just opened a consumer co-creation center uh, in Dusseldorf uh, by building it during the pandemic. So, you know, you can imagine uh, my team did uh, an outstanding job on that. E, and that is uh, really exciting me. Uh, and just today, we had the first consumer and they received a picture 
on uh, some of the cross-functional team of marketing R&D people uh, uh, interacting with a mask in a safe way, but with consumer on products uh, developed to, to improve, to, to really try to deliver a better product. And these type of things are really giving me energy and uh, hopefully transmitting also to my team and to the others. Great. In, in the intro and from our previous discussion, you, you'd made a conscious bet on diversity and digital. So can you talk a little bit to what, what you're doing there and how you believe that that's going to lead to better products from an R&D point of view? I mean, it is difficult to uh, scientifically prove it, uh, but definitely, uh, you know, combining, especially in R&D, combining diversity in discipline, uh, diversity in attitude um, is a, a part of a traditional diversity, which is still very important. Eh? So cultural diversity is important because, of course, uh, we develop product for the world and you need to understand also the different geography, eh? as simple as that. Um, it, 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 is definitely, it is definitely critical. Uh, I have example where, um, uh, you, you know, I'm quite red and yellow, so I get very excited and pushy, but sometimes it's useful also to have someone which is blue, which is more analytical, um, and is able maybe to determine, determine what can go wrong in order to, to correct it. So it's very simple, but uh, it, it is definitely critical to, to have this combination of different competencies uh, and different attitudes to, to, to really innovate. Uh, and then you need always some people that are more green, empathetic, that are able to really uh, work with the consumers and understand the consumer, even in R&D, eh? uh, part of market research and marketing. Uh, and to, to really understand uh, how the technology can create a benefit or is not creating a benefit so that you don't use the technology. Yeah, I mean, for, for anyone who's listening who's wondering what we mean by red, yellow, green, and blue, this is one of the probably one of the most famous psychometric tests. And Mattia and myself are both red and yellow. So uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're not very diverse in that sense. Um, but, but what you touch on there, because there's not many people will even openly talk about fluently about their their personality and their colors, right? It just doesn't it's even even today it's not in the common parlance. So you've you've evolved very much and you you're thirsty for knowledge. So how would you say your leadership style has evolved from maybe South Africa on? Because it's not just about uh you're very clear. It's not about trying to play the t same tricks you did then. You, you're always evolving. So how, how have you as an individual changed? Um, I mean, over my, my years in the career, uh, by being in the front line, uh, being a little bit in the back, uh, and I am in the front line when I need to show that the people can uh, do it, that they can... Uh, um, can disrupt, they can take ownership, they can lead, uh, and at the beginning maybe maybe necessary, uh, also depending on uh, on the team. Uh, but then when I saw that that is happening, I I back up and I let them do things in order that they can do other things, uh, and that definitely changed over time. And as I said, in uh, in South Africa was critical because uh, of the distance. So and the other thing is definitely the importance in understanding people. 
So generally, um, I always do session either one-to-one or in a team, uh, doing leadership profiling, uh, understanding the talents of people, uh, and trying to utilize uh, those at the best. Uh, at the end, it's always about utilizing uh, your best capabilities uh, and to get those better and better. Uh, a non-talent will never become a talent. You know, you've had a great career and I'm always struck by the, the people I, I bring on the show by definition are people who've been successful. But I work in an area of, you know, sink or swim and as you go higher up, the stakes get higher. So maybe if you would be willing to share a moment when you, when you have struggled, when you've, when you've been sinking and what support you, you, uh, you look for at that time. Um. I, I had a very difficult situation when uh, I joined North America um, because at that point uh, I was having uh, a, a direct boss, a very, very difficult uh, uh, managing not very well people uh, with a very, very different profile. So in that case, I really struggled significantly for, uh, for my years. Despite I loved the team, uh, I was in very, very strong relationship, luckily with the, the, the head of the center, uh, but that was a very difficult moment. I was only able to get going because of my team and uh, relationship, but that was difficult. And what, what was difficult? Because, you know, in, in a way, having a bad boss is a 50-50 shot, right? The difficult part is when you have someone with a completely different set of values from yours, and that is uh, difficult to digest. You can have uh, people with different uh, attitudes and behaviors, and you may like uh, mo- certain aspects uh, than others. Uh, as I said, I've been lucky in another uh, situation, and uh, I try to take uh, the different elements and to implement uh, or to internalize, but in that case, it was really difficult for that. There were really two, three areas that were breaking my values, and therefore, it was difficult to, to manage. You know, let's just go back to the the theme of the podcast, which was, you know, really making a change in a big environment, right? In a, in a big company. How would you rate your progress so far? And, and, and sort of what's your, what, what's next on the, on the menu for the next six to 12 months? So uh, at the moment I can mention, uh, because uh, it, it has been implemented, we, we did uh, a reorganization to try to uh, to improve the structure, to make it uh, uh, closer to the business, but at the area uh, on the other side uh, to, to build g- and focus on capabilities in R&D. Uh, that is uh, one important part. The other part uh, is in supporting people and the team. So I spend uh, really time in mentoring, coaching uh, people. Uh, we activated the recruitment of new talents and bringing the new talents and uh, bringing diversity. Uh, and by the way, diversity is not enough because you, when you bring a lot of diversity, you have a lot of excitement, eh? putting people that are very different. So then the way you manage inclusion is uh, even more important. Uh, and uh, you are really allowing people with completely different characteristics to express themselves. So that is at the moment an area where I'm spending quite uh, some time. Uh, we really activated a lot of training and digital training uh, in this period of pandemic is even more important and we are building capabilities I was just mentioning to you to the consumer co-creation center 
we just opened one in Germany. We may open uh, another one uh, early next year. And uh, how do you keep that? Let's call it that freshness and direct direct action that that I called out at the start of the at the start of the conversation. Because everything you talked about is literally moving the oil tanker, setting up capabilities, training. It's all in a bed on the long term. But what I remember about about you is it, it was going from start to finish, one guy, idea, implement, and then in fact that let's call it simple idea became standard in our company for I don't know ten years. How do you make sure that on top of doing capability building stuff, you actually encourage that individual energy? Yeah, that is uh, the part which is not always so easy and is requiring uh, more efforts, uh, uh, as you rightly said. Now, uh, of course, uh, I can do something. Uh, others doing uh, depends. Depends on the people, depends on the willingness. So, as I said, I try to create an environment where we... Uh, uh, where there is no fear, uh, where there is the willingness to lead, uh, and I try to encourage people to express themselves on their capability. Uh, and as you know, I'm very annoying, <laughs> uh, and I generally continue till uh, I'm not able to, to to see a benefit. If we imagine there's some, let's call it R and D, young managers or directors. Are people taking over the first true leadership role, listening to you? Uh, what's what's your advice for them? What do you wish you had known back uh, back ten years ago when you were starting out as a as a senior leader? What I communicate to my team is a small part on what I want to do. I also learned that if I communicate to my boss what I want to do, get completely scared. Uh, by talking to South Africa when. Uh, at the time uh, when uh, when I arrived, I communicated after a few months what I want to do, 100 points. And my boss told me, Mattia, you are crazy. You need to focus. And that is what is generally happening. And after two years, everything was done. So it's uh, I, I learned that you need also to, to dose. Uh, and at least I have very high expectation also on myself. So what I generally do, I dose uh, uh, the expectation on others uh, and then I try to achieve it. Yeah, I think what you said is very important, which is the tendency to try and do too much, you know, at the start. And you, you learn that often by experience that you have to gauge what the organization is capable of and what you're actually capable of delivering yourself and convincing other people to do. Very good. Well, look, Mattia, it's Friday afternoon. You're back home in, in the UK after after a long week in Germany. So thanks once again for taking the time out. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much, James. Eh? Very nice to see you again. Eh? Ciao. You've been listening to the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast. Subscribe at swimnotsink.com forward slash podcast.